So who was the greatest financer in the Bible? Well, the answer was Noah, because he was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. Okay. So who was the greatest female financer in the Bible? Well, the answer is Pharaoh's daughter, because she went down to the bank of the Nile and drew out a little profit. All right. So Eric Friedman, you're our resident comedian here, right? So who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? <laughs> yes. Well, no, not exactly. It was Samson, because he brought the house down. Oh. All right. How about the first baseball game in the Bible? Well, it's in the big beginning, beginning, right? Eve stole first, Adam stole second, Cain struck out Abel, and the prodigal son came home. The giants and the angels were rained out. Okay, I just got a couple more here. How did Adam and Eve feel when they were expelled from the Garden of Eden? They were really put out. And what was one of the first things that Adam and Eve did when they were kicked out? They really raised Cain. What excuse did Adam give to his children as to why he no longer lived in Eden? He said, your mother ate us out of house and home. I was like, all right, I'll give this good. But a little bit of humor. Anyway, what I want to talk to you about today is how God loves imperfect people, right? And I'm going to raise my hand for that. Some of you may feel inadequate at times in your life. You may say to yourself, you know, as soon as I get my act together, I'm going to live a godly life and walk with God. As soon as I straighten things out, I'll be able to pray, have a relationship with God, and God's going to answer my prayers and everything will be okay. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you wait for that day, you're going to miss out on an awful lot of blessings of a relationship with our Heavenly Father. You see, you may fail, but that does not make you a failure. Quit reliving all your mistakes, playing them over and over again in your mind. Instead, replay the times that you honored God with your life. Change the channel. If I want to make a, a, a TV show analogy, Turn off the Criminal Minds channel or the Law & Order SVU channel and turn on the Hallmark channel of your life. So why that? Well, you see, the movies on the Hallmark channel always have a happy ending. They may have some troubles in the middle of the movie. They go, the, the characters go through some rough patches, but it always works out in the end. But guess what? If you have accepted Yeshua as your Messiah, your movie has a guaranteed happy ending, too. Religion may try to tell you, okay, if you turn your back on God, he's going to turn his back on you. Or things like, you know, if you make bad choices, don't expect God to bail you out. It was your own fault. And I'd say certainly try to do your best. But don't beat yourself up if you don't perform properly every time. After all, if you had it so put together, why would you need a Messiah? We need to be redeemed. In Exodus, God speaks to Moses and says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Abraham was a man of faith. It says it over and over again that Abraham believed God. We see all these examples of, of his believing, of his faith, and the wonder, wonderful miracles that happened in his life. 
Isaac, his son, was obedient to God. He lived a godly life. He loved God. We don't hear a whole lot about stuff happening going on with Isaac, other than he was obedient. He loved God. But now his son Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was crafty. He was the one trying to get a leg up and work an angle. He made some poor choices. Yet God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Jacob stole his brother's birthright. He tricked his brother into giving it up for a bowl of stew. And then he tricked his father, Isaac, into thinking he was Esau to get the blessing. But Jacob changed his ways. He redeemed his ways. God went on to rename him Israel, which means he who triumphs with God or he who prevails with God. It was a blessing. He became the father of the 12 tribes. Now, God could have said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, but he doesn't in his word. No, he left it that way on purpose because he is the God and loves all of his people that have a heart for him. You may have made some mistakes, but be encouraged. You may have lost your temper at times. You may have struggled with an addiction. You may have compromised your integrity. But God is looking for people who have a heart for him. If we look in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and in verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. See, God is looking for people who have a heart for him, not perfect performance. You can't change the past. Don't beat yourself up for it, but learn from it. Don't get your performance mixed up with your identity. Now, Yeshua chose 12 men to be his Talmudim. Now, let's see. If you're going to put a team together, what characteristics would you look for? Uh... How about, uh, want some well-educated folks, you know, maybe, you know, Harvard, Yale graduates, uh, or, you know, come from some really uh, esteemed uh, school of learning, learning in the scriptures. You want somebody who's trained in the scriptures well. How about somebody with uh, great speaking ability, communicates well, ability to influence people. Maybe you need some guys with physical strength, maybe some bouncer types, you know, with dealing with some of these crazy folks that they had to deal with. Uh, somebody who's upstanding in the community, well-respected, maybe some financial backers. So what did he choose? Who did he choose? A fisherman? A tax collector? A glass-half-empty kind of guy? Let's take a look at a couple of the men that Yeshua did choose. We'll start with Peter. Now, Peter was a a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. He was a working man, a blue-collar kind of guy. He was one of those guys who was always vying to be Yeshua's number one disciple. He could be a little hot-headed at times. And he was the guy who said, Lord, I will always stand with you. I will never deny you. Well, let's look at the record in uh, Matthew chapter 26. We'll start reading in verse 33. It says here, Peter replied, 
Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Yeshua answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So shortly after this, he and his Talmudin, his disciples, were in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeshua was arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin. Peter had followed and waited outside with the guards. So we pick up again in verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Yeshua of Galilee, he said, or she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Yeshua of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. And I always kind of chuckle at that. It's like, what does a Galilean accent sound like? I don't know. Does it sound like a West Virginia accent? Does it sound like a a Boston accent? I don't know, but it's anyway. But then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Yeshua had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Wow. Wow. Now, you've made some mistakes in your life. How would you like to be responsible for that one? Denying the Lord, especially after you just swore to him that you would never deny him. But it was that same Peter on the day of Shavuot when the Talmudim were filled with the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. He boldly spoke and proclaimed Yeshua's resurrection. And that he was indeed the Messiah. He went on to be a great leader in the Messianic movement, teaching, preaching the good news, healing people in the name of Yeshua. How about another one? Here's another one of his disciples. That guy Thomas. He's sometimes commonly referred to as Doubting Thomas. How would you like to be stuck with that through all the millennials' history? He was the guy who said, let's all go to Judea and die with him. He's the glass half empty kind of guy. He was the guy that was always looking less than on the less than bright things, I would say. He was the guy that was, uh, when I see it, I'll believe it type. We'll go to uh, John in chapter 20, verse 24, to read this account about Thomas, where it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means the twin, was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Yeshua came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Yeshua came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
Shalom. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Yeshua told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, Yeshua took the time to talk to Thomas and show him the marks on his body. He didn't get angry with him. He didn't scold him. He didn't say to Thomas, Thomas, man, where's your faith? No. Even though Thomas doubted Yeshua, Yeshua did not doubt Thomas. Now, tradition has it that Thomas went on to travel all the way to India and brought the good news of the Messiah to the Jewish community in what is present-day the state of Kerala in India. In fact, he is highly regarded there, much like Paul Shaul is or was to the Jewish communities in the Roman Empire at this time. And, uh, you know, I, I have some uh, Indian acquaintances through work that are believers, and they, they have attested to this, I mean, to them. He is, he is the man that brought the good news to India. Another example comes from John chapter 4, and I'll just talk, tell you about this. Do you remember the Samaritan woman at the well? Well, first of all, she was a Samaritan, which the Jews did not associate with because they considered them half-breeds or something. Second, Yeshua knew that she had had five husbands, and she was not married to the man she was living with. So she had these strikes against her. She made some mistakes in her life. Yet it was to her that he revealed himself as the Messiah. In the record in, in the Gospel of John, it, he had not done that to anyone yet. He revealed himself to her first. This, this woman of shady reputation who had, you know, had made mistakes in her life. Why did he pick such an imperfect person to re reveal himself to? See, you don't have to have perfect performance. Look at Peter. Yeshua knew that he would deny him, but he chose Peter anyway. God knows every time you fail, but he loves you anyway. He says, that's my child. He says, I love you. God's love is not based on performance. It is based on relationship and heart. You know, there's a saying in the real estate business, uh, what are the... The question is asked, what are the three most important factors in the value of a piece of property or something? And they'll say, location, location, location. Well, I like to ask, what are the three most important factors in your walk with God? And I would have to answer, relationship, relationship, relationship. Why? Because if you live the two great commandments, which are, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind, and the second which is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, then you have a relationship with God. Because all the law and the prophets hang on these two great commandments. If you pray, if you study and meditate on his word, you have a relationship with him. 
if you give thanks to him, you have a relationship with him. If you confess your sins and transgressions to him, you have a relationship with him. If you have confessed Yeshua HaMashiach, that is, Yeshua as Lord, then you have a relationship with him. You see, it's all about relationship. You don't have to have a pedigree, certificates and diplomas on the wall, because God loves imperfect people. Just as an earthly mother or father loves their child, regardless, how much more then will your heavenly father love you? Yeshua paid your debt in full when he was executed on the stake, and God raised him from the dead. Receive God's mercy. Receive God's love. Remember, it is not about performance. It's about your relationship with him. It's about your heart. Believe in him and he will take you places you never thought possible. Shabbat shalom, everyone.